Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello there and welcome to It's an S-Pod Thing the podcast revisiting every episode of S Club 7's insane TV show. I'm Sophie Davis, and joining me on this journey from Miami to Spain will be a range of guests who may or may not have seen the show before. Either way, we're going to analyse it in more detail than anyone ever asked for. If you're an S Club fan like me and remember watching the show, hopefully this podcast will bring it all back to you. So my guest on the podcast today is Sean Vickers from the Unflopped podcast. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Are you um, excited about this? I am. I'm yes, in short. Uh, <laughs> really excited about talking about anything to do with S Club. I'm, uh, I'm quite a fan, really. So um, this is quite an exciting podcast to do, if I'm really honest, Sophie. So first of all, I'd like to know, what is your history with S Club 7? And have you ever seen this TV show before? Okay, so um, I'm really showing my age here. So um, in 1998, when they formed, I was 19. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about the theme to the show, you know, Bring It All Back, which dropped in 1999 and was number one, I was probably um, bopping around to this song, to that song, sorry, in kind of, uh some of the sheffield uh university nights like climax and then getting on the trans Pennine express and whizzing across to manchester canal street so um s club <laughs> are very much the formative in my youth um so that's why um they will always have a very special place in my heart yeah and do you uh, you're probably a bit old for it at the time do you remember watching the tv show at all because it was on cbbc so i don't blame you if you haven't seen it before <laughs> um it's not i i was aware of it um is, is the best I can say so that's probably being polite I was aware of it um but I was not a diligent viewer let's put it that way yeah fair enough it would be strange if you were at the age of 19 I think <laughs> you never know I mean S Club are amazing uh weirder things have happened quite frankly <laughs> so today we're talking about LA7 episode 8 which is called Mr Muscle and it aired on CBBC on the 25th of May in the year 2000. So in the opening scene, we set up the fact that Paul is trying to make some sort of documentary Mm. about the band, which is not something we've seen before. It's just in this episode because, as we'll find out later, it it has something to do with the payoff at the end. Uh, But to begin with, he's just sort of annoying everyone, isn't he? He's just sort of pushing a video camera in everyone's faces around the house. Yeah, it's strangely meta because you're watching this TV show and he's making a documentary. Um, And I found it, he's kind of really being the auteur. You know, he's like, he's around the house. He's been quite facetious to Hannah, which I don't particularly like. Mm. Uh, And he's really coming across as the big I am with his docu-soap. And it's him and Bradley in that scene 
Um, yeah, and it really plays through. Apparently, he stresses that he's got 400 hours of footage, which is a lot of editing, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, and he complains that most of it is of Bradley. And it's like, well, are they trying to erase Bradley from the film altogether? What's wrong with it being mostly Bradley? <laughs> That's a lot of Bradley. Um, yeah, so, um, I mean, there are seven of them. And he's he, you take him out, there's still six. You take out Bradley. He's probably missing out some really good content. Um, but yeah, I mean, Paul and his docu-soap, quite amazing, really. Yeah, they've got a title card that says, unfilmed a Paul Catamull, <laughs> like they're trying to make it classy. He's, he's going to submit it to Cannes or something. I thought that was, I thought that was very, very tasteful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he's quite harsh to Hannah, isn't he? He kind of holds the camera about an inch away from her face and says, how does it feel being a complete nobody in the UK and completely unknown in the US? And she's just trying to watch the TV. She's like, she says, bog off, I think. Yeah, she does. It's, I think that's really brutal. I mean, she, he really came for her quite early in the episode. Um, and I think it's uncalled for, quite frankly. Yeah, it's harsh. And he's also bothering Rachel and Joe, who are doing the washing up. And they're talking about how Rachel has been dating someone who thinks she's a member of the royal family. And yeah. I mean, I want to see that episode personally. Where's that story? Yeah, that whole kitchen scene with Rachel and Joe. And, that, and then that subplot of like, did you know that Rachel, I, you know, there's an idea that there's a bit of a white lie that she's a member, she's a British royal. I thought it was quite a reach, quite frankly, Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that story followed up on, but I don't think it will be. I doubt they're seeding it and then bringing it up later. It'll just be, we mentioned it and then it's gone. It might be like one of those Hollyoaks episodes, you know what we used to watch in the noughties where there was a spin-off, a late night spin-off. So there may be a late, <laughs> a late night spin-off of Rachel um, and her British royal lineage. Um, you know, as I say, weirder things have happened. Yeah, she's just going around conning men in LA. <laughs> Not that she needs to. She's Ra she's Rachel Stevens. I'm sure they would want to go out with her anyway. She doesn't exactly. need to tell them she's a royal. Exactly, exactly. I'm with you. She's a star, Rachel. She has. She doesn't need to. She doesn't need to hang off a white lie. So they, they kick off at Paul. Rachel pushes him over. He tells them to act like he isn't there, and Joe kind of shouts like, "It'll be easier when you're gone." possibly <laughs> foreshadowing. There's weird little lines that come up every now and again where they seem to want to kick Paul out. And obviously it's not intentional, but it's like, hmm, foreshadowing. He's going to leave the some, band at some yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I didn't really pick up on that, Sophie, but you're so right. There's a lot of that going <laughs> <Subtext>. on. Subtext. <laughs> that, that you really are into it, I can tell. Uh, <laughs> I did not get that at all. But now I think about it, it's in plain sight, really, isn't it? Yeah, I, I'm, I've been watching too much of this and getting all these messages from it. I think they're <laughs> communicating with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. And that all kind of ends with Rachel saying, oh, John's in the bathroom, go and film him instead. And Paul's like, okay, <laughs> just go and invade John's privacy. Why not? <laughs> Bless John, getting ready. He had lovely hair. Always had lovely hair. I always remember that when I was younger. Yeah, in series one, he had proper um, curtains. And then in this series, it, it looks a bit better. He looks a little bit older, but it, he still looks really sweet, doesn't he? Yeah. There was a thing, actually, I was talking recently on Unflopped about curtains. And there was, if you didn't have curtains in my school, you were kind of no one. Like, regardless <laughs> of your hair type or your hair texture, you had to have curtains. <laughs> that was just a rule. And I think, exactly. And John beautifully has a lovely pair of curtains. So Tina is heading out for the first day of her new job on Muscle Beach, where yeah. she's teaching a sort of dance fitness class. 
And she, she before she goes, she's trying to tell Hannah all about it. And Hannah is watching some kind of soap on the TV. Um, I'm not sure what this is. As usual, it's never come up before. I thought it would possibly come up again in the episode. I thought this would be a new character trait for Hannah. But no, she's just in this one scene addicted to this weird looking soap. Did you recognize it at all? I was trying to work it out because there's this whole kind of camaraderie around Hannah watching this kind of telenovela soap and she's drawn into the characters. And um, Tina's getting a bit peeved because she's trying to kind of tell Hannah about her new job. And uh, it's just not landing. And at one point she starts to tell a few fibs to see whether Hannah's listening and she clearly is not listening. Yeah, she says something about, um, oh, I'm, and I'm going to be abducted by aliens later and dissected. And Hannah's like, yeah, yeah, see ya. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> Why do you think this guy killed him? Okay, I'm off down to Muscle Beach. Okay. It's the first day of my new job down there. Cool. She was pushed. I'm teaching a class called Dance Yourself Fit. Okay. <laughs> then later, I plan to be abducted by aliens and dissected. Gotcha. You don't care, do you? You don't give a pop that I'm the only one in this apartment with a proper job. Sorry, Tina, it's just difficult to give a pop about anything when Troy's about to leave his wife and seven adorable baby daughters and run off with his secretary. Or possibly his mother. Uh, so Tina leaves and then we hear John upstairs like yelling, get out, and Paul just sort of falls down all of the stairs and goes, honestly, some people just don't deserve to be in this business we call show. <laughs> it's like, don't look pressuring John to be filmed in the bathroom. There's an interesting thing here because I thought to myself, I wonder if Paul does his own stunts. I've got a feeling he's fallen down the stairs before. Do I've, you? I think this has happened once or twice before in this series. Ah. Maybe he perfected that stunt and they were like, we have to use this over and over again. It looked really effective, I have to say. That's why I thought to myself, he kind of lands on the floor and he's kind of that classic trope where you can't see his head and then there might be a cut to camera and then someone else appears. And I was wondering, is it really, is it really Paul or is there a stunt double at play here? Yeah, I tried to catch that as well, but it, it was so kind of fast, it's hard to tell really. Um, but Paul does quite often do sort of slapsticky stuff. Like there was a, an episode ages ago where he like fell in a swimming pool. And so it could be him, to be honest. Okay. Well, it's very impressive, I have to say. Then we see Tina teaching this dance class which mm. is just deranged. Like, it seems to be a class exclusively for huge, muscular men, but she's expecting them to follow a really quick routine that's all sort of like, well, change, tap, tap, kick. And one of them is just, like, <laughs> lying on the floor like a turtle on its back. Yeah, it's it's a funny one because... I did think to myself, wow, that class is really quite mega. But it might be just because I've been in lockdown for so long that anything <laughs> would be would be of interest. But I did like the class. You are right. She'd certainly appealed to a certain type of individual for that class. Uh, there was definitely a stereotype going on there. Um, and if I remember correctly, she does... The routine is to reach for the stars. Yeah. Or is this, that's a song that's playing, which I think is quite brilliant. Anyway, it's a lockdown goal for me to be on Muscle Beach with um, with Tina doing a class. I think that'd be quite brilliant. <laughs> yeah, she should set this up, this up on Zoom for lockdown. She's the new Joe Wicks. I'd, I'd tune in. <laughs> <laughs> but she's quite um, 
annoyed with them, isn't she? She's not being a very supportive teacher. She's just kind of rolling her eyes like, why aren't they getting it? And at the end, she's really passive aggressive. She says, um, oh, I've never seen a group of people with so much room for improvement, like in a really sarky way. But the guys are just like, yeah, go us. Because I guess they're American. They're just really positive and not picking up on the sarcasm. No, they miss it entirely. They miss it entirely. Um, but um, yeah, it's a very interesting, and that's where we first meet Ryan, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I thought, so Ryan is this chap who turns up and, you know, he's in this very fetching red outfit, like a Luke <laughs> head to toe red. Uh, and that's where we get kind of a frisson, I guess, between Ryan and Tina. Yeah, he sort of approaches her after the class, doesn't he? And and he says, well, that was quite a class. You ever kill anybody? And she just kind of looks at him and goes, no, I dance to maim. <laughs> I, mean, <it's- laughs> I, love, I love Tina. <laughs> the line was so good. I was like, have I heard that properly? Yes, I have heard that line properly. <laughs> So yeah, they have a little bit of a flirt and they go off to get some lunch together. Um, I don't know this actor, but he he seems to have been in quite a lot of stuff, which I was surprised by because often with this show, you look up the person and it's like one credit. But yeah, he's I've never seen a TV show called Chuck, but apparently he's a big character in that. So oh, really? yeah, good okay. for him. Yeah, it's, good for and him. And I liked as well... Oh, something weird as well. His his name's Ryan. His name's Ryan in real life, but his name's Ryan McPartlin. And in the credits here for this show, his name is spelled wrong. It says McPartland instead of McPartlin. Oh. And it's his only IMDb credit with the, the slightly different surname. So I'm not sure if that was a mistake or a deliberate choice. He was like, I want to distance myself from this. Could that be deliberate? Do you think? Because because then he could say, "Oh, it's a different." You know, if he if he suddenly if his career just suddenly went through the roof, and I mean, quite frankly, he's already on he's already on a S Club TV show. But if his career went in a different direction, at least could he then maybe uh, I don't know disguise it or have a different IMDb? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, possibly. But yeah, it's his, he's got quite a big IMDb page and this is the only credit with this sort of slightly different surname on it. So it, I wouldn't put, I wouldn't put it past them to have just spelled it wrong in the credits, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I might go and have a little nosy about him afterwards, actually. that You've, 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 you've piqued my interest, though, Sophie, there. So I'm going to go and have a nosy. Yeah, it was surprising. I, I clicked on his page and I was like, oh, this is different from usual. He's got loads of credits. So they go off for this lunch date and we then go to the usual S Club cafe where they all hang out. Uh, Paul, Bradley, Joe and Hannah are there and Paul is still trying to film everyone. He's now got the camera taped onto a plank of wood to keep it steady, which just looks mad. Like he's just, it looks quite threatening, doesn't it? Just pointing this plank of wood at everyone. It's bonks. It's like Paul's steady Eddie cam. But yeah, it's like, yeah. I don't know, it's a fixed, it's very wonky, I have to say. Um, and that's, I think the place is called Venice Vista. Is that correct? Yeah, that's I think like, so. That, yeah. That's the place where they're hanging out, which I thought was a great name for a venue. But yeah, Paul's in there with the gang, right? Having a big old gossip. Yeah, they're discussing Tina going out with this guy and how they know about this, I don't know, because (laughs) she's gone straight to lunch from the class, unless maybe she's like called one of them from a phone box or something, but they're, they're having a bit of a gossip about her going on this date. 
Um, and yeah, Bradley says some weird stuff here. He he says he thinks exercise is unnatural because it isn't very attractive to look like you've got dozens of ferrets crawling around under your skin. <laughs> yes, Horrific <so> image. <laughs> it's really odd. He starts banging his chest like to kind of like demonstrate <laughs> just what it would be like for this to happen. It is quite a weird <laughs> moment, I have to say. Has anyone ever looked at a muscly man and thought, oh, it looks like there's ferrets crawling around <laughs> under his chest? Yeah, bonkers. But this is where Tina tells us that it's her best day ever, best first day ever with Ryan. Yeah, Tina does show up after they've had a bit of a, a gossip about her and she's had a really good time. I, I was thinking back and Tina hasn't had much sort of um she hasn't had many romantic storylines in this show in comparison to some of the others so i'm quite pleased she's getting something in this episode even though you know as we're going to find out in a minute it's complicated she she says he's got he's got the best teeth since tom cruise had his teeth fixed i have to say sophie i did make a a quote of that line because you know that's pretty special isn't it (laughs) (laughs) and hannah wants to see photos of him which is a bit of an ask in like pre-mobile phone days isn't it why would she have got photos of him already it would have been so odd first of all she's just done her class on muscle beach and if you took pictures of him there it would be creepy and then (laughs) taking a picture of someone because it back in 1989 it would have been like a click, like one of those click and point and click, you know, like a disposable. Yeah. So it would be really odd. <laughs> Sorry, I need to take a photo of you because my friend wants some photos to see what you look like. And it's date one. But I hope you're okay with that, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it goes well. Turns out they had a little bit of a kiss, apparently. She describes it as a passionate peck, whatever that is. Uh, and they're going out again in the evening. So everyone is like, Ooh, <laughs> like teenagers. There's a lot of ooze in this scene. Bradley really turns on the ooze. And yeah, there's another moment in this scene where Hannah and Joe just lose their minds because they're being all like, oh yeah, we don't like muscly men, do we, Joe? And then a man walks past wearing a sort of vest and Hannah just really randomly goes, <laughs> oi, oi, sexy. It's <laughs> really odd. Like, it's so out of character. I was going to say, all the people in there have a very, what? how can I put it? They have a very traditional um, look, like a traditional look view of beauty, do you know what I mean? So everyone's mm. kind of muscly, with, all the men are muscly with no hair, no chest hair, and of a certain body mm. type. It's quite amusing, like the, the way it's perceived. Uh, but yeah, Hannah really does go for it. Yeah, and Joe makes a weird noise. And it sounds like, I've played it a few times, it sounds like she's saying, yes, daddy, which, oh, <laughs> God, no. Really <laughs> yeah, it's but it's like she's so excited, like you can barely figure out what she's saying. Like, they're really going for it in this scene for some reason. They are indeed. So, Tina's having lunch with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> with a guy she went down Muscle Beach. She said he was lovely, and she's going to get the photos to prove it. See, I think that's all unnatural, all that exercise. Bradley, you think pushing a carpet sweep is unnatural? Yeah, but it's not going to make you look any more attractive to look like you've got dozens of ferrets crawling around under your skin, does it, Anne? No, 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 of course not. We don't fancy muscly men, do we, Joe? Oh, no. Oof. Aye, aye, sexy! Daddy! Strike a pose, hungry! And now we hear the mating cry of the single, desperate female on heat. So after that meeting in the cafe, John and Rachel are at the beach looking for somewhere to sit down. 
Uh, John's taking it very seriously. He's like, we have to find the optimum spot for the best tan. And he's holding a sort of light meter, isn't he? Yeah. Like, what is the best spot I need to find out scientifically? Well, when it was holding the device earlier, I was like, what has John got in his hand? Because today it might be a mobile phone and he might be using like a GPS or something. But I was like, no, this is this mm. way, this is not. And then he kind of reveals later that it's a light meter to find the optimal light. But then what's quite strange is he then sits about two foot away from where he was before under some pole. And I was thinking, is that the optimum optimum place, John, on the beach, really? <laughs> I'm not yeah, sure. I initially wrote down, what is he holding? But then, yeah, he reveals it's a light meter later on. Maybe it's maybe it's um, faulty, though, because like you said, it doesn't look like the optimum spot. <laughs> I thought the spot looked miserable, to be honest. <laughs> I wouldn't want to sit there. And they they sit down and like immediately get back up and go to get ice cream, which is it's not a two person job, really, is it? Like one of them no. could have stayed there with the towels. And Rachel then has a complete breakdown trying to order ice cream because there are too many flavors and she can't choose. Yeah, I mean it's bonkers because you really get the. She's not very decisive in this moment, Rachel. She really is all over the place. And now, to be fair to Rachel, there's a lot of options at the ice cream stand, but she's not particularly on point with regards to what she wants here. Yeah, and John really sticks up for her and has a go at the guy who's selling the ice cream. He's like, that is an information overload. She can't take it. She cannot take it. Yeah, un under the episode on YouTube, so someone left a comment that I quite like. It says... Um, Oh, that was nice of John giving Rachel a hug to calm her down after she got overwhelmed. That's what friends are for. <laughs> thought that was really? quite sweet. <laughs> that is really sweet. I'd say I didn't frame it that way, Sophie, at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's what friendship's all about. You've got to support your friend exactly. when they have a breakdown at the ice, ice cream stand. Cream. Yep. So after they've finally chosen some ice cream, they go back to their spot, but someone has moved their towels and taken the spot for himself. Now, when you watch this, did you, I I'm just trying to figure out if this is just me being bad with faces, but did you immediately recognise that this guy was Ryan, who we just saw with Tina, or like me, did you just think it was another guy? Did not gay was Ryan at all. Great, it's not um, just me. No, and I know we come back to this later on in the storyline, but at the time, I was just like, some dude sat in their spot, but I did <laughs> yeah. not in any way think, oh, that's Ryan from Tina's you know get fit dance class at all <laughs> great it's not just me then because yeah no, we literally the saw page. him a few minutes before and there's just no recognition whatsoever because he, he's not particularly distinctive looking as you said before lots of the men in this area look pretty similar they have a similar look yeah they definitely have a similar look and so yeah i didn't i didn't get it was ryan but then what ensues is this whole thing about like international towel rights <laughs> which is quite bonkers yeah john gets very technical and he's, talk he's talking about oh that my towel had power of attorney or something like that while i was away it was pretty full-on it was like an episode of la law there was lots of towel talk lots of legal terms um i mean john is just john and rachel are just peeved because ryan as we find out has taken their spot, the optimum spot. So Ryan must have been using a light meter as well. But that clearly is the optimum spot. Yeah, I, after she was so sort of in, indecisive before, I quite like Rachel in this scene where she's basically just like, John's going to kick your butt. Well, Rachel gets, is really pushing John's prowess and John is not happy about it 
at all. Yeah, she says um, he's trained in all of the British martial arts. <laughs> well, I don't know what that would be like, <laughs> throwing cups of tea or something. Um, and she also says to Ryan, um, if you don't move your towel and your incredibly muscly, shiny and yummy body immediately, you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> I think she's really good in this scene. She's committing to it. She really comes through on this scene. Yeah, it's a good piece of character acting by Rachel Stevens here. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. And the upshot is Ryan stands up and John is like, oh, this guy's really big. And he says they should settle the argument like men and arm wrestle at 5pm tomorrow. And I did quite like this bit where he sort of flexes his arm and John goes, will you be using a normal arm or that? <laughs> John just looks so tiny. He look, he doesn't need comparison. It's a bit of a David and Goliath moment. They look, they definitely are not of the similar um, size and physique. That is for sure. And at the end of the scene, Rachel goes, oh, I've made a big mistake. And John's like, um, yeah, you have. But then she just looks at her ice cream and goes, should have gone for I coconut. Should have had the coconut. <laughs> really rounds off the scene perfectly. Perfectly by Rachel Stevens in that scene. Yeah, she doesn't get much to do in this show a lot of the time. I think she's one of the better actors out of all of them. Like, I didn't watch that scene and think, oh, no, what's she doing? No, I think she did a really good job. I think it was. I think she committed to it. I think more so, if I'm being honest, in Tina's dance scene at Muscle Beach. I found it more yeah. believable. <laughs> Tina is just something else. Like, we'll talk about the date scene later. Oh, but yeah, it's like every scene. every line, it's like the emphasis is slightly in the wrong place. Like, or maybe it's just because she's trying to memorize everything at short notice. It is, it's hard, bless her. But to be fair, I think if I was just randomly just like ask to act in a tv show i would be exactly like tina i would be saying lines like it was a foreign language the delivery is oh to be polite you know it's a little <laughs> amateur um mm. but yeah you know you get a spirit of tina i think i mean that becomes her character in a way hey did you move my towel because i wanted to go there sorry man i need those rays and my light meter said this is the place yeah but that was my towel and this being a beach, international beach law applies. To wit, that towel had my power of attorney while I was away purchasing an ice cream and was exercising my entirely fair and appropriate prior claim to that spot. You're from out of town, aren't you? Well, around here, a towel cannot act as a marker unless said marker status has been agreed upon by all parties involved prior to the towel being applied to the sand. Oh, come on. Where'd you get that load of old pot from? From the guy who moved my towel last week. About three seconds before I kicked his butt. Yeah? Well, you better watch out, or maybe John will kick your butt. Yeah! Rachel, are you insane? Have you seen the size of him? I couldn't even reach his butt. Now, if you don't move your towel and you're incredibly muscly, shiny and yummy body immediately, you are going to be in a serious amount of trouble, young man. Oh, yeah? Who says? 
He does. <laughs> you know what? I think I'm burning. There is such a thing as too much sun, you know. John may look really small and weedy, but I can assure you, he is fully trained in all British martial arts. So if you don't want to wear those teeth as a necklace, shift. Uh, Rachel. Okay, that's it. We are going to settle this like men. Do we have to? Yep, but not here. There are women and children present. Tomorrow, 5 p.m. Muscle Beach, we arm wrestle for this spot. Arm wrestle? Yep. Yeah, definitely. So uh, back at the house then, John is telling everyone about this arm wrestling contest he's got himself involved in. And Bradley, Bradley's being quite supportive of the other band members in this episode because we saw before he was uh, trying to help Paul out making a documentary. Now he offers to train John up and says it won't take long because they just need to train his one arm and nothing else. It, that's a very interesting point because the pizza's arrived and they're having a bit of a conflub, aren't they? All, all the gang are together. Yeah, this whole idea that actually they've only got one day, so the best thing they can do is just train John's arm. Uh, and that's the best way of going forward with it, which I think is actually quite smart and a very, um, it's a good suggestion by Bradley. And this is the point where Paul is like, I finally found the subject of my movie after 400 hours worth of filming before. Exactly. He says it can be a posthumous tribute to John. Brilliant. Yeah, Paul now has, Paul's now got the anchor for his film, which, you know, is great. So um, he now has a purpose with regards to like his role in this episode, for sure. 100%. And we get one of my favourite lines in this episode. Paul says, I feel an Emmy coming on. And Joe goes, well, get in the bathroom then, you hedge pig. (laughs) (laughs) As if that's a thing. Hedge pig, have you heard that before? I haven't, but I mean, it's the ultimate diss. Um, maybe we could <laughs> use it more. Pick. I might just try and get that, wind that into my um, to my wider kind of parlance, hedge pig. Um, <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. Never even heard it on this show before because they do tend to use the same sort of insults a lot of the time. That's a new one. Hedge pig. <laughs> and this is the moment where John mentions that the guy he's arm wrestling is called Ryan and everybody is like, Ryan, including me and you. So we basically found out the same time as the band because, yeah, did not recognize him from one scene to the next. No. Also, he he didn't actually tell John and Rachel he was called Ryan, did he? So I'm not sure how they know. But yeah, it wasn't like dropped in in that scene and we just didn't notice. It just wasn't said, didn't recognize his face. This is where the reveal was because I was literally like, oh gosh, that's Ryan. Like... That I really yeah. was genuinely like, oh yeah, and suddenly I put I joined the dots together, and I was like, oh, now I get the kind of whole subplot of this episode, because um, yeah, but conflict. yeah, it wasn't clear, but yeah, this is the big reveal where um, you realise that all of the S Club are basically talking about the same person, and we now get a, a training montage, which is quite fun. I thought John's sort of lifting plastic bottles like they're really heavy weights. He's carrying a, a rucksack that's full of copies of the Yellow Pages and like drinking a really gross sort of egg smoothie, isn't it, that Bradley's made for him? You've got, so it's got the classic Rocky tropes. So like the Rocky music's playing, um, just to set the scene for like the listeners, the Rocky music's playing. Mm-hmm. He's doing all sorts of bonkers exercises, as you say, with like the Yellow Pages. He's got this like awful egg um, smoothie thing that... Uh, they're forcing John to drink. And there are some quite questionable scenes here about John being ill. (laughs) 
Yeah, he like throws up, doesn't he? And Bradley's sort of cheering him on, like, go on, my son. <laughs> it's really weird, that scene. But he's got his head in the toilet. Yeah, it's just really odd. Like, why is Bradley cheering? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, classic film tropes. He's trying to be supportive. Yeah, him. I guess he is. But some real classic Rocky film tropes in this section. I, I particularly enjoyed this this kind of like three or four minutes of the episode. It was I thought it was really well put together. Yeah, there's a bit as well, isn't there, where it looks like he's sort of struggling to do a press-up and then the camera sort of flips and he's actually just standing up and he can't even just like push himself off a wall while standing. I know, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant bit of camera work there. Uh, yeah, I particularly like this section. He's sort of like dragging Hannah in a bag at one point as well, isn't he? Just like she's got in the rucksack and he's just dragging her along the beach <laughs> to this sort of... The, the music sounded a bit like a sort of a sort of synthy stock music version of the Rocky theme, didn't it? It sounded True. a bit odd to me. True. And there are there are some elements of, of Hannah in the bag in the outtakes. But yeah, oh, yeah. I, think, I think the whole section is is pretty genius. I think it's the kind of the the core of this episode because I think it really all comes together during that kind of training session for John. So after this training montage, the girls are having a chat on the beach and Rachel is like, oh, I think John's getting really strong. Last night I saw him open up a ketchup bottle all by himself. And then Joe is like, oh, I started that for him actually. And the girls are all kind of like, oh dear, what are the odds on Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> they've got no faith they've got no faith but there's a really weird monkey analogy yeah because <laughs> <laughs> like I, I can't i don't know if i can recall it all perfectly in my mind but there's a really odd monkey analogy where tina's kind of saying ryan's like the king of the monkeys he's like the jungle vip yeah yeah hannah says something like oh you know guys are programmed to behave like this it's in their hormones she says i read it in just 17 <laughs> and yeah she goes into this thing about monkeys and bananas and uh, yeah tina's boyfriend is the king of the swingers they say bonkers a very nice scene though i like how it all come together but yeah i was thinking where did this monkey analogy come from you know but it is it is quite left of center but i can i think it works for the episode yeah, and Hannah's being a bit sort of kooky. I think she's quite mm. sweet when she does that sort of thing. She's just like, your one's the king of the swingers. And Tina's <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, I, th- I find Hannah believable as a character, I have to say. Because um, you're right, she's got her own niche, hasn't she? She's got she's kooky. She's a bit left of centre. She's that character within the seven of them. So I think Hannah's character works for me. Yeah, and in this episode, she catcalls men, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> then back at the house it's the night before the contest and right this is the point where i started to get confused by the timeline of all this because i know i'm overthinking this but when ryan challenged john on the beach he'd mm. had lunch with tina so it was the afternoon and he said we'll arm wrestle tomorrow at 5 p.m yeah. john has then done all this training which, to be honest, I assumed was the next day. Like, I thought, um, you know, he was spending the whole day training and then the contest was at five. But it can't be because it's now the night before the contest. Yeah. So it's been like a, f- a few hours since they had the initial argument on the beach. They've done all this training and John is now, like, writing his will, isn't he? Yeah, so I think what happened was Tina leaves the house in the morning when Hannah's obsessed with the telenovela. Um, she mm-hmm. does her she does her muscle fitness class on Muscle Beach early. That's when she bumps into Ryan. Then they maybe they have an early and a very early lunch at like and eleven. Very or early lunch, and then 
in parallel, John and Rachel went to the beach to get the ice cream optimal spot, but that's still early. So Ryan must have gone to the beach straight after the date, but it's still quite early. And then John spends the afternoon training. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So they Until put, it's dark. Yeah. They packed a lot into one day, I have to say. And then we see like nothing of the next day until it's 5pm. It was just all that one day. And yeah, thinking about it as well, Rachel said in the previous scene, oh yeah, I saw him open a bottle all by himself last night. What, what do you mean last night before any of this training had happened, Rachel? What are you talking about? Exactly. There's a few glitches there in the Matrix for sure. <laughs> They could have given them a longer time scale. It could have been a few days or something, but no, it had to be 24 hours. Totally, totally. So John is writing his will and he asks Paul if he wants to have his Olivia Newton-John CDs. I mean, that scene, I was like, <laughs> wow, John, wow. I mean, he's really wearing his heart on his sleeve here with regards to the Olivia Newton-John CDs, for sure. <laughs> yeah, he's concerned, isn't he? And he, he says, if he loses, people are going to be pointing at him in the street and going, hey, there's that guy with the weak arm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you've got also in this scene, you've got Bradley trying to motivate. Um, but on mm. the other hand, he's kind of saying, well, you know, if it all goes wrong, can I have your CD player? Yeah, not that confident. Yeah, I'm kind of confident. But if it goes wrong, John, I'd love to have your CD player. <laughs> Bradley's trying his best, but isn't that confident in John's abilities? I don't, yeah, I, I think it's. Um, I think he's kind of one foot in, one foot out with regards to whether he thinks John can really pull this off. Yeah, definitely. And Tina is then on her date with Ryan because it's the same day. It's the evening now. <laughs> they seem to be having a nice time. We do that thing where when we go to them, they're just sort of laughing hysterically. And he's like, you can teach me to tap dance. And she's like, yeah, anytime. <laughs> Clearly having a great conversation. <laughs> yeah. And then we get we get to, this, to the kind of the nub of the date where Tina's about to ask Ryan for a favor because in her heart of hearts, she really wants to help John out, I think. Yeah, she... Um because they're sort of they're hitting it off aren't they and then she tries to get him to call off the contest she says uh john is allergic to pain <laughs> and he says he can't back out because all the guys from the gym are gonna be there why has ryan told all his mates but i think you find out later on that ryan's a bit of an arm wrestling champ so that might be mm. why he's told all his mates but i did find it quite odd that ryan had been going around in the 24 hours the very busy 24 hours telling all his mates about this arm wrestling competition yeah uh, you never guess who i'm competing against this tiny little weedy english boy <laughs> like it's not much of a challenge to show off in front of your friends with it's not but you do get the sense at this point that tina has got a bit of cold feet about ryan don't you think yeah because she um well, as soon as he says, no, I can't call it off, she just sort of gets up and leaves, doesn't she? And in a yeah. really sort of odd way where she grabs her bag and leaves with her head down, like she's just like wet herself and needs to leave the room immediately or something. Too funny. Too funny. Yeah, I was, I was like, oh, that's a shame that that's not going to work. But I can see that Tina's standing behind John in this moment, which is nice. Yeah, and I really like that little exchange they have when he says, are all English girls like you? And she goes, no. I'm the only good one. <laughs> <laughs> That's another spin-off show. So you've got Rachel doing the royal one and Tina just being the only good English 
English woman <laughs> in the world. Yeah, just like wild line deliveries all over the place. I'll, I'll include a clip here because I can't do it justice. It's like she's learned it three words at a time or something, bless her. But I, I love Tina in this show so much. She's just mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's definitely got a vibe. Let's put it that way. Really? You can teach me to tap dance. Cool. Anytime. Ah, oh, Tina. You are so great. Are all English girls like you? No, I'm the only good one. <laughs> Ryan, I've got a favour to ask you. Name it. It's done. Well, it turns out you had a slight disagreement on the beach earlier with someone who happens to be a good friend of mine. And, well, <laughs> there's no way he's going to beat you in an arm wrestling contest without a gun. And since he doesn't have one, can you call off the contest? Oh, Tina, I wish you would have asked me this earlier. I, I can't do it. But you've got to. John's allergic to bang. I, I told everyone about it. All the guys at the gym are going to be there. If I back out now, they'll think I'm chicken. I'm sorry, Tina. I can't call off the contest. Well, in that case, I can't go out with you anymore. So it's now suddenly time for the contest. What's happened in the day up until five? We don't know. Clearly nothing important. Maybe some more training. Uh, And there's quite a crowd gathered, isn't there? And the girls have got front row seats and Joe is sort of baying for blood. Like, get out of my seat. Yeah. Joe takes no prisoners here. That's what I, when I was thinking about, when I was writing my notes, I was like, Joe really is like no prisoners. She wants prime time spot you know, front row spot for this arm wrestle. Yeah, and John is wearing a little robe like he's a boxer, isn't he? Bless him. Oh, the yellow robe is so nice. I thought John looked really nice (laughs) in that yellow robe. Yeah, he looks sweet. And Bradley gives him a drink and he, he still can't open it by himself. And just in front of John, Bradley's like, hmm, I wonder if the betting's still open for Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) Bradley's backed out now. Yeah. So Ryan comes out. Crowd goes wild. They're all on his side immediately. Yeah, this is the point where they mention he's some sort of six-time arm wrestling champion or something like that. Yeah, six-time champion. Yeah, he takes his position at the table and Paul has got the video camera out yet again. But Ryan seems to be the only person who quite likes it. He's sort of enjoying the attention, isn't he? Yeah, he's um, he really loves the camera. Let's put it that way. And... um... I think Paul doing his documentary film really plays into um, Ryan's ego, but not in a good way eventually, as we know. Yeah, he's sort of getting distracted, isn't he? Like posing for the camera and saying, oh, get me on my best side and all that sort of thing. I like how when John comes out, he gets introduced as the limey with the funny haircut. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think his haircut's that bad, to be honest. quite harsh. He just doesn't look like an American gym bunny. (laughs) <laughs> oh poor john the girls are all cheering him on and then a call back to earlier hannah yells go on sexy <laughs> it's just so out of character we all need that on a t-shirt sophie we all need to go on sexy <laughs> on a t-shirt it's brilliant <laughs> we all need hannah following us around shouting encouragement <laughs> i mean that's brilliant that's motivation for you isn't it if hannah just followed you around shouting go on sexy like we went to fret to get a coffee or something. <laughs> yeah, they're basically the only ones cheering for John and the rest of the audience are cheering for Ryan. Uh, they're obviously backing who they think is going to be the winner. Uh, but the arm wrestling begins. 
realistically, it would have been over in about two seconds, wouldn't it? But Ryan is sort of showboating for the camera, you know, posing. And he keeps telling him to get the camera closer to his face for some reason. He's like, I want a close up. No, closer than that. Closer, closer. Until Paul eventually hits him in the eye with the camera, doesn't he? He does. So, like, Ryan's, like, quaffering his hair and he's, like, you know, he's really working the camera and he's, like, demanding that Paul gets closer and closer and closer to him for this for this film. And then, yeah, Paul then bangs into Ryan mid-arm wrestle, which completely distracts Ryan entirely from the task at hand. Yeah, and John uses the opportunity to kind of slam down his arm and win, doesn't he? Because Ryan's now got uh, some sort of eye injury. <laughs> It, yeah, Ryan's com- Ryan is completely, yeah, he's kind of got this big bruised eye, he's really thrown. John dives in there, uh, sees an opportunity, rightly so, and wins the arm wrestle, which to the amazement of pretty much everyone, including myself. Yeah, I, I quite liked how Paul's camera did actually have a use in this episode in the end, because often things come up that are just completely out of nowhere and then they just go away. Like, oh, in this episode, Paul has decided he's making a documentary about the band. But then I was quite surprised to see it did actually have some sort of, um, you know, some sort of use in the end of the episode. Yeah, well, I thought I thought generally it was quite cohesive as an episode. I mean, it, yeah, it, there wasn't there was a I mean, there's a few storyline glitches, a bit like Rachel and, the, and opening the bottle the day before. But other than that, I think they tied it together quite well. I think everyone generally had a role in this. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, so I think it worked quite well, to be honest. Yeah, because they had them in sort of um, like a few different groups earlier. So it wasn't like anyone was getting sort of neglected. Like I said before, Rachel often doesn't have a lot to do other than just sort of look pretty and like flirt with a few boys every now and again but she she got to stand up for herself in this episode and have a meltdown over an ice cream true fact very good yeah the coke (laughs) should have had a coconut that's another t-shirt should have gone for coconut (laughs) we're gonna make merch the merch is on (laughs) so after the arm wrestling's over tina is setting up for one of her dance classes ryan shows up with a black eye and he makes a weird joke about how he's only got 24 hours to live and he wants to spend them with her. But she, well, she's up for it. They kiss. Everyone in the class applauds them. And we end with a song, which is Reach in this episode. The band all sort of run in and join in with the dance class. So you have a podcast about pop music. Do you have any strong thoughts on Reach at all? I mean, I absolutely love it. Great. It's a good one. For, we finally reached it after it's been, it's been the theme tune in this series, but we haven't actually had it as a proper performance ah, okay. so far. I thought this was, I thought this came together really nicely. Like they, Ryan goes in for the kiss. They tee up date two. He's got a lovely kind of like happily ever after, at least for the episode. And then you go into this huge reach for the stars medley, which is obviously legendary. And I quite liked all the muscle guys in the background as like backing dancers. It was a bit of a mood because they weren't particularly... Yeah like in routine but they were certainly creative they were certainly energetic and into it and i think this comes together really lovely i quite i was quite impressed by the body popping that was going on yeah john's sort of like somersaulting as well isn't he john was amazing i was like where did that come from <laughs> after you couldn't open a bottle earlier you can now do all of the four back springs yeah like incredible <laughs> so um before we finish any final thoughts on the episode are there any like notes you took that we didn't get to cover no, I think I think we've got all of it. Um, what it did make me think more widely is 
uh, whilst I may have missed uh, Miami 7, LA 7, etc. the first time round, it is a show that I could probably get into quite easily. <laughs> <laughs> it is fun. I could see myself suddenly be really investing in the whole series because it is, I don't know, it, it ticks along quite nicely. I mean, the episode is, what, 24, 25 minutes? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of really enjoyed it. Yeah, this was quite a cohesive episode. They're, uh, they vary. <laughs> Some of them have like three plots running alongside each other and you have to keep up. But um, yeah, this one was pretty pretty clear i thought yeah no enjoyed it it was great uh, and i will probably watch more i'll put it that way sophie i think i um given give my give my as i say they hold something very special for me as club because of my youth so I, i'm quite happy to dive into another youtube of one of the episodes great well i'm glad i've uh, brought this into your life <laughs> thank you so where can people find you on twitter and um would you like to plug your podcast and anything else sure so you can find me at seanarella uh on pretty much most platforms and i'd love to talk a little bit about unflopped um if you haven't listened to unflopped in the past we are a music commentary podcast and there's three of us myself and Stuart, who uh bring a flop song every two weeks uh and the flop uh is a flop commercially but Stuart and i with our respective songs think that the song is actually a gem and then Judge Joe, with his uh, musical background, judges both songs and selects a winner. And that song is Unflopped. And we've done, we're about to start season four. Season four starts very soon. Uh, there's a huge back catalogue of songs that we've been through with people of all genres. So, um, yeah, uh, you can find me there um, talking, about, talking about music, which is one of my massive passions. Thank you for listening to this episode of It's an S-Pod Thing. It was edited by Alex Blondek with music by William Kitchener. If you enjoyed the podcast and want to let us know that we're your number one, please subscribe and leave us a good review. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.